Hello, and welcome to the Morotsko Method. I am your host, Adrian Jezik. Here we get to talk about the things that make us uncomfortable, our own personal growth through discomfort, ways that we can be vulnerable and authentic in order to continue that path of growth. And I have a very special guest with me here today, Roger Webb. Roger, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. So glad to be here. I'm very happy to have you here. And um, Roger and I have only recently met in person. And it was one of those instant connections. Like when the person walks in the room, you're like, I don't know how long I've known you, but it's definitely been lifetimes. Like it's one of those type of, we just eased right into, okay, what are, what are all the fun things we get to do together? Right. 100%. Yeah. What was that? What was that like? Because cause we'd met online first. That sounds like we're dating. We met I, online. We no. totally <laughs> met online. So, yeah, I stalked you. Um, actually, I stalked Morosco. I didn't know it was you. Um, and I was like, and as soon as I started to see the people behind Morosco, I'm like, oh, I need to know these people and we need to be friends. And so I was super excited one day when I got a message. Said, hey, would you like to have a complimentary coaching session in cold immersion therapy? I was like, yes. So I was very excited. And yeah, it was crazy. The minute we walked in the door, it was like, all right, you're my people. Yeah, like we just knew each other. And we're aligned on a lot of the same things, right? We're aligned on this this personal growth through discomfort. We're aligned on leading with our authentic and vulnerable selves. We're aligned on sharing different types of natural healing modalities with the masses. And that's a big part of what you do, yeah, right? 100%. Tell me a little bit, bit about who you are and what your mission is in your life right now. Oh, my mission. I love that question. Thank you. So I am um, a little bit of a, a mixed pot of potpourri, is like I'd say, and just a little bit of everything, and it all smells great. Um, <laughs> I, I've been a life coach and behavioral therapist for 20, almost 25 years, and my practice was always around um, helping people break through limiting beliefs and that kind of work, and it was about five years ago that I really discovered the magic in stepping into fear and my life's never been the same since. Um, so you've got that piece of me, but then I also have become deeply obsessed over the last eight years with essential oils and natural health. And so to me, that's also a piece of stepping out of your comfort zone for a lot of people because we're so used to, you know, you just take a pill and you get sick and helping people understand there's a, n a different way that can be really effective. And as I've combined those two together, um, it's evolved into something wonderful. And I now do motivational speaking all around the world, and I teach people. My, the name of my company is actually called Get Uncomfortable Incorporated, and we're a perfect fit. Like, we're a match made in heaven, really. And it really is about teaching people through my experiences of the magic that's come as I've learned how to get used to being uncomfortable because fear and uncomfortable uncomfortableness, if that's a word, used to be something that it was like it, fear ran me. It ran everything I did, and now it's hard to find something that I'm afraid of. That you won't just yeah, do. Yeah, exactly, because I know the growth that comes on the other side, and that's really what I try to teach people. That's really beautiful. I like that. What are some of the things that you do to expose yourself to discomfort to grow through fear? Um, I, I like every, every year I choose a theme that scares me and I try to dedicate that year to doing things around that theme of really pushing myself out there. Um, I recently, some of the things for myself, I, I've, I've gotten into fasting, really long-term fasting, which terrified me when I first learned about like two weeks, like, uh, you know, fasting the two weeks, but the fasting four to five days at a time mm -hmm. without food. Um, 
the ice baths has been a new love of mine, which is where we came together, um, learning to embrace and surrender to that is what's been the magic for me. And then really just, you know, stepping onto large stages and speaking and having conversations with people that I was afraid to talk to, people that the old me was like intimidated by and the new me says, oh no, we're equals now, I can talk to you because I see myself differently now. That's really beautiful. You're starting to value yourself oh, immensely. and your contributions to this community that we collectively are developing. You, me, the people that we surround ourselves with, like this is a community that we're developing of this new ways of healing and wellness. So I want to touch a little bit. I'm excited to talk to you about ice baths, but I want to touch a little bit about on the fasting because at Morosco Forge, through part of the Morosco Method, we're big believers in intermittent and extended fasting. And through that, uh, I personally have been able to recreate my emotional relationship to food. Coming from a childhood of poverty where sometimes you didn't know where your next meal came from, I grew up in this kind of, I don't know what to call it, it's like a stagnant kind of belief where in the back of my mind, if free food is there, I had to eat it. Like it didn't matter if I'd already eaten breakfast and then I get into the office and there's a full breakfast spread because surprise for whatever reason, right? I would have to take part. Didn't matter if I'd already eaten maybe three times in a day, but if I go to an event and there's, you know, hors d'oeuvres or whatever, I had to eat it. I had this kind of, it was more of a reaction. It wasn't even something I was thinking about and it wasn't something I was aware of until I did my first extended fast. And then when I did that extended fast and I said no for the very first time and I felt that power of I don't need that. I'm not going to be hangry. I'm not going to be going through this, you know, process of not being able to nourish or feed myself. Like I have those abilities now as an adult. So I was able to recreate my emotional attachment to food through extended and intermittent fasting. What has that been like for you? Because you do a different type of fasting that I have not yet tried. It's called rational fasting, right? Yeah, rational fasting. And you guys can Google that. But what's that, what's that like for you? What, what's your process with that? Um, for me, the magic that's come from it is being conscious about my eating. I'm an unconscious eater is what I now brand myself. I was. Um, I, I graze. I work from home. There's always food in front of me. I'm always next to the kitchen. I graze. And I eat. I eat without thinking about it. I eat food that isn't the best for me, but I eat it anyway. And I don't think. I just eat. And through the rational fasting, so the rational fasting is something I discovered um, about six or nine months ago, and I became intrigued about it. And it's it, it just made so much sense to me when I read about it that I wanted to try it. A, I wanted to try it because I knew it was going to challenge me. And that's mm -hmm. one thing that I really love to do right now is do things that challenge me. And, you know, the idea of going without food for a long term was scary. And I hear people all the time tell me, oh, I could never do that. And I say, yeah, I used to say the same thing, and now it's easy for me. Um, but for me, it was about, I did it for a reboot. I didn't do it to lose weight. I didn't do it to for a lot of other reasons. I did it because I just felt that my body needed a reboot. You know, when you control alt delete your computer back in the day, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I just needed to reboot my so many things. I had a lot of just lingering minor health issues that I just wanted to, I just needed to reboot. And I also knew from a time that I had done a juice fast years ago that fasting is one of the best ways to reboot your emotional health. And mm -hmm. so I, I knew I needed that. So I stepped into it and it, day three was horrific. It was, it was the hardest day I've ever 
But once I got past that, it was pretty easy. And I've never done more than, I think the longest was five days. Mm-hmm. But the biggest lesson I learned the last time I did it, I've, I've done two two-week cycles of the rational fasting. The last time I did it, I um, you're supposed to end your fast with broth or vegetables or something very easy to digest, very gentle on your body. And my this was one of the biggest life lessons I've ever had. Instead of that, I, I ate a couple carrots and thought, oh, this is a good way to break my fast. But then I went right to a beer festival and, and Mexican food and pizza and beer and kombucha and like filled my body with about five hours later, my entire body seized up on me. Like my digestive tract seized and I cramped for three days. I, I threw up all night long. Like I was. Your body rejected. I was more miserable physically than I've ever been. I went, that was Saturday night. It started and I wasn't out of bed until Thursday night. And the biggest lesson for me was I wasn't being conscious. I just did it without thinking about what are you doing right now? And that, that's applied to everywhere in my life. Mindful and, intention. Yeah. And I, I noticed even, even yesterday I ate something and as I was putting it in my mouth, I'm like, why are you eating this? And I still ate it. And as soon as I was done eating it, my body said, why did you eat that? And it's, it's still, so it's showing me that I, you know, I haven't arrived. I'm still on the journey, but at least I'm conscious of it now to where, okay, so next time I go pick up that food, I'll remember, oh yeah, no, my body doesn't like that. And that's been the biggest blessing for me from a nutrition standpoint for most things. I still have my addictions I'm working on, but my body's learning to recognize food differently. I Mm -hmm. think, I think depriving it caused it to say oh no the next thing you put in needs to be something that really is going to feed me and nourish me and so I'm looking at food that I used to love I use Cheetos as an example I used to love Cheetos now I look at a Cheeto I'm like oh that's like I'd, I'd, it's the same as eating a Lego yeah like, that's not it's food. not food and my body's now recognizing that because of this process I've gone through so that's been instrumental huge for me as far as nutrition and diet's concerned that's something that happened to me as well and we were talking about the other day like there are times when I'm walking through the grocery store and the vast amount of food that isn't food, I'm looking at it, I'm like, that. it does, it looks like plastic. It doesn't look like real nourishment. Now that being said, I did this yesterday. I ate not one, but two Milky Way candy bars because I was like, ooh, just what's a Milky Way? And normally when I do sweets, it'll be dessert on occasion or it'll be, you know, your 90% dark chocolate. Like that's... For me, that's sweets. That's a treat. And I don't know what got into me. It definitely had nothing to do with the beer. Um, <laughs> but I was like, oh, I'm just going to, what's what's a candy bar or two? And I haven't had candy bars since Halloween. And so now here we are in February. I haven't had candy bars since Halloween. And immediately after eating the first one, I was like, oh, no, that was not what I wanted to do. And then I still ate the second one. Like immediately ate the second one as I'm sitting there reconciling how I felt about eating the first one. And then at the end of the second one, I was like, well, now I know that no matter how much time goes by, this is still the way my body is going to react to this type of food. That's not real food. The biggest thing I hear there, and this is what I'm trying to be learning myself and being gentle myself, is we're still human beings. Yeah. And that's what this is about. The the process of growing isn't about oh I did it and now I'm I'm enlightened and I'm great and I'm never going to Yeah, we're again. never going to get it all the way right. It's that I'm a human being and and I f- screw up sometimes and I can still love myself and be gentle with myself even though. 
that's a really that's a beautiful message yeah I didn't shame myself for the process even now I think I like sharing it I think I like putting it out there because it's like I am real yeah these are the real things that I do still I am not ashamed I do not feel guilt I am not going I am not going to uh, make myself feel bad for it but I am going to actively remember that feeling that physical feeling the next time I stare at a candy bar and think about eating it so I also want to touch on a little bit, and you're talking about the fasting, and one of the first things that people say about fasting is, oh, I could never do that. And what's funny is, that's one of the first things that people tend to say about ice baths. Definitely. Oh, I could never do that. I could never sit in an ice bath. But I've done it, and you've done it, and a lot of people who thought they couldn't do it have done it. What was your first, tell, walk me through your first ice bath experience. I... Never in a million years. I hate cold. <laughs> Actively still? Yes. All right. That's big. I hate cold. I don't, but I love ice baths. And that's the dichotomy that's so strange is like, I don't like being, like, I went to Fargo, North Dakota in January once and it was the most miserable week of my life. I hate being cold. Yeah. And so when the idea, a very good friend of mine, uh, actually he, he's a friend who had kind of been, we hadn't seen each other in years and I'd seen on, on social media that he was into these ice baths and I thought he was crazy and there was a connection we had, and he's, he invited me over. And he's like, hey, come soak with me and just see what it's like. And he walked me through um, some Wim Hof breathing and the ice bath. And he does it in a chest freezer in his backyard. And, like, I'm one. I have no problem with jumping in a cold pool just for the thrill of it. But I jump right out. Mm -hmm. Like, the idea of staying in cold water? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Hanging out there. <laughs> Who does that? Cruising, chilling. <clears throat> and I, I remember um, a couple years ago, I heard Brendan Bouchard talk about he does ice baths, and when he's on his workshops, he has his ice delivered to his room. And I'm like, what a whack job. Like, who does that willingly? But at the same time, I've heard a lot of people who I really respect talk about ice baths. I'm like, okay, there's something there. So I started trying the cold shower. And I've heard you talk about it. I feel the same way. Cold showers are not fun for me. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I don't enjoy them. I don't like them. It's not fun. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. So I went to his house, and we did it. And he timed me, and he coached me through it, and he walked me through it. And when I hit two minutes, I was like, oh, my gosh, I did this. And then I hit three minutes, and I was like, oh, wow, what the heck's <laughs> happening? And then I got out. Um, and I just remember that day. It was, it was really interesting because that day I had had – Prearranged a discussion that I was going to be having with my partner at the time that night, and it was going to be a really tense, potentially really tense situation. We were mm -hmm. resolving a pretty big conflict, and I had a lot of anxiety around it. And I went to Michael's house, and we soaked first, and this wasn't planned. It just happened this way. And I went from his house right into this discussion, and the whole discussion, I remember finding myself being so calm and cool and clear-headed and connected and... The emotional outbursts weren't there that were normally there, and it blew me away. And I remember driving home that night thinking, oh, my gosh, I need to start soaking in baths all the time. So you noticed a level of emotional regulation right away. Right away. And what was that like? What was that like? Were you aware right away that that's what it was, that it was a direct result of the ice bath? Like, did you have any correlation at the time? I I'd, I had learned enough from my friend to hear that it does have some emotional components to it. And so it wasn't until I was driving home that night and I was like, wow, that went really well. It couldn't possibly because of that be because of that ice bath. And it's right. like, of course it was because of that ice bath because I reset myself. 
yeah. I learned enough to know that that's what did it. And so, yeah, I recognized it right away that this was tremendous for me. Yeah. You get a complete vagus nerve reset at two minutes in an ice bath. And that's because you are forced to find your calm and breathe through your fight or flight response. And so by doing that, you're smoothing over hardwired pathways of trauma and creating thousands of new ones from a place of meditative calm. You're also getting a very strong boost of norepinephrine and dopamine, which is going to help with clarity, focus, mindfulness, presence, mood regulation, and just an overall feeling of feeling good. It, it's, you know, it's funny. I, when I was in Thailand in November um, at my daughter's wedding, we just by chance the next day had a lot of leftover ice from the wedding and there was a bathtub on the property and I had been missing my ice bath for a week and I said, hey, everybody, I'm going to do an ice bath if anybody wants to come with me. And so I did a, a little quick coaching session with about eight people and coached them through and every single one of them commented to me later that day of how incredible they felt all day long since their ice bath that morning. Isn't that amazing? It's a lot of times people ask me, what do you do when you travel? You know, because I'm pretty... I'm pretty hard up about getting my regular ice water immersion. And um, it dawned on me that over the last year, all of the travel I've been doing is centered around ice baths. So our first trip where we went and we did not actually have an ice bath was in December. We were in Chicago and it was 26 degrees outside. And I'm walking around in a tank top because I'm like, where am I going to get my cold from? I'm going to Prague next week and I've been worried. And the weather there is pretty cold right now. So I'm like, I will find something to do. Something. I mean, even if it's the cold. And again, we don't like those cold showers. But fill up that hotel bath with whatever that tap water is. It's got to be at least in the low 40s. Which to me, I'll hardly un- I will hardly get undressed for temperatures that warm. I'm like, there, there's no point. Like, I'll have no reaction whatsoever. But it always feels good. Yeah. It always feels refreshing. So now... So now you've gone through your first ice bath and you immediately saw results. How long before you did your second ice bath? How long before you were like, I'm doing this again. I need it now. It was a while. And it's funny. It was a while because I'm a massive procrastinator. Mm. And and I know that because like, I had heard about this place in Phoenix Optimized that has it. And I'm like, okay, I need to go there. I, actually, no, I lie. I, I tried one at my house. I went and got three bags of ice. That is not enough. <laughs> I'll tell you right and now. By the time I got in the water, it was melted. And like, what? It was a cool plunge. It wasn't a cold plunge. And so I recognized that I need to go somewhere that has the technology and the, the equipment for me to do it. And so then I started, um, see, that was probably three or four months before I really embraced it. And what was really interesting is I went for about a week and a half every single day. I was getting ready to go on a cruise and I was having some back issues and I knew that that would help. So... I went every single day for about a week and a half to two weeks. And then when I came home from the cruise, I stopped going. And I was very aware consciously that I had resistance, but I didn't know where it was from. I just mm-hmm. knew that because it's not a pleasant situation. <laughs> it's not a pleasant experience. Let's be honest. When yeah. you first get in the water, it's not pleasant for a few, for about a minute for me. This is my experience. And so I have resistance and I recognize the resistance said, okay, no, I have resistance. I need to do this. And so then I started back to almost every day. Do you still sometimes have resistance? Yes. Same. Absolutely. Same. And I, and now I'm to the point where when I feel that, like there's mornings where I'll wake up and I'm like, I'm funky today. I need to go soak. Mm-hmm. Like it's a priority. 
And then there's a part of me that says, oh, but just go climb back in bed. <laughs> and then I'm like, nope, I have to. And that's my, my signal. If I'm resisting, then I know. And I go. And the second I get in the water, every single time, the second I get in the water, my whole body says thank you for being here. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, I still have that. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm standing in front of it and those thoughts creep in. Do I need to do this? I'm already practiced. I, I know what I'm doing. I don't have to prove to myself. I know what I'm doing and I can do this. I know I can do this. And as soon as those thoughts of talking myself out of it start to creep in, I just strip and do it. I just, I don't think about it anymore because I can come up with any excuse in the world why not to do something. I could come up with 102 million excuses right now why I don't want to do name a thing. Name a thing. I am really good at that protest behavior. And what I've noticed about my cold water immersion practice is that if I don't give myself time to think about it, and I don't even allow myself to entertain the why nots, like I can say, you know, I'm not feeling so hot, or I'm a little tired, or I'm feeling drained, or, you know, I don't have time. All of that is excuses. If I don't feel well, or I'm feeling drained, that's the number one reason to get in there. I don't have time two minutes I don't have two you don't have two minutes I could spend two minutes complaining let alone you know <laughs> two minutes just sit in the ice and get it done yeah you said something that just really struck me is that what I've learned through my process especially over the last few months is my excuse for not doing it is the reason why I have to do it that's exactly what we Every say single time that is part of the Moronsko method the reason you're telling yourself not to do the thing is the reason to do the thing doesn't matter what the thing is do it same as sitting here with this podcast I freak out every time. I want to cancel every time. I want to avoid the editing. I want to draw out the process. I want to avoid the scheduling of getting a guest on because then it's not my fault, right? But it's a risk. Every time I do it, every time I put it out, I'm putting myself out there and I'm taking that risk. And so the fact that it makes me a little uncomfortable means I have to keep doing this. And I love standing up on stage in front of people. Like, you get me an audience of a 1,000 or three. I don't care. I will talk to all of you yeah. all day about anything. Pick a topic. Um, I think it's really interesting, too, that we talk about speaking in group settings. Because that terrifies a lot of people, right? And that was something that you weren't quite comfortable with at first. Mm-hmm. And now you're developing a practice where do you enjoy it yet? Or oh, are you it's still... Like for me. Really? I So you're I, getting that feeling of... I. It's been a long time since I was afraid to speak in front of people. Um, mm-hmm. Now it's, give me a microphone and put me on a stage, and I'm, I instantly become, like, it's my element. It's where I belong. It's part of me. It's, I, I feed off it. And what was that like for you before it became your element? Was it terrifying? Um, I was never the person that had, like, horrible stage fright, but... I was the person that believed everybody's judging me, everybody's looking at me, I'm not blank enough was my thing for Mm -hmm. 30 years, 20 years. I'm not blank enough, whatever that blank is, there's a thousand of them. You know, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't have enough credibility, I don't, who who do I think I am to stand in front of these people and tell them something? Mm -hmm. And that, I got rid of that a long time ago. (laughs) That's really awesome. That's really awesome. Because, I mean, they are staring at you. You're on stage, so they are staring at you. Mm -hmm. And we're all filled with judgments, so maybe they are judging you. What matters? None of that. Yeah. Right? Because you do have a message. You have a very powerful message. You have a powerful message of leadership. You have a powerful message of 
finding natural modalities of healing for your own self, for your children, for people that you encounter. That's partly why you and I are sitting here together today. Um, Roger is teaching me about the power of essential oils. And I've dabbled before. I've dabbled. It's something I've always had interested in, interest in. I've been using them as part of treatment services and spa experiences for the last, well, when I was an esthetician, it was for over a decade. And I would use the lavender. I would use different scents. But now I'm really starting to learn through you and through what you're sharing with me, the power of what essential oils can do. What was it for you that first turned you on to the healing properties of essential oils? Where did that start for you? Oh, I could talk for five hours about that. Um, it, it was kind of a dual process. I had my own experience. I was bedridden for eight months, and these oils really did heal my body. Um, but what really woke me up, even beyond that, because, you know, we often don't look at our own stuff. We look at, I w in my practice, I had clients who were struggling with emotional stuff for years, and then I introduced an oil, and right there, boom, right in front of me in the session, like it was resolved and done and cleaned up and healed. I'm like, what the hell? Am I allowed to say that here? Yeah. Like, like wow. Like, it really showed me that they, these are way more than just, oh, smell this and it helps you relax. Mm -hmm. Like, these are healing tools that we have on this earth that were given to us by powers higher than any of us that will know to help people heal. And I've watched people heal not just physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, you name it. Like I, thousands of people over the last eight years that I've seen heal from things that have held them back from being who they were meant to be. Mm -hmm. And to see that healing happen every single time. I still today, even after this time, I still just feel this amazing awe and shock, even though I'm so used to it. I get a message probably every day from somebody with an amazing story of what these oils just did for them. And every time I'm like, holy crap, another one? Like, wow, this really does work. It never gets old. Yeah, and it's beautiful. It's amazing. That's really outstanding. And there's there are similarities, right? Essential oils, cold water immersion, intermittent and extended fasting. These are all natural things. These are the things that our bodies expect of us, right? Industrial revolution came around. Technologies come around really ever since we invented fire. From the moment we invented fire, we became more evolved technologically than our bodies could keep up with. It takes millennia for our bodies and our brains, our mammalian centers, to catch up to that type of growth, that type of technological growth. And yeah, it started with fire. And then when the Industrial Revolution came along and then technology came along, putting us in these constantly climate-controlled environments, environments where we can get food at will and it's not always food you know we don't learn that right away we didn't learn that the, what we were living on with the mac and cheese and the tv dinners and the stovetop uh, hamburger helpers and things like that we're just thinking like oh I found another quick and easy way for me to go about my day work real hard raise my family run my household and get it all done and what we didn't realize is that as we're cutting these corners, we're denying our bodies what, the, what that mammalian response is craving. So deep down inside, I truly believe that our bodies think that we should be going 
a few days while trying to search for our food, maybe running 30 to 40 miles before we catch and receive that food. And when we get that food, it's full intention. It's not going to be the very first thing we grab because the package was bright and it gave us a tiny dopamine hit that doesn't last. It's going to be food that we have forged for, we have fought for, we have ran for, we have hunted down, and then we're going to share. We're going to break this bread, um, so to speak, Amongst our group, amongst our tribe, we're going to share this nourishment for our bodies because we worked so hard to get there. Well, our bodies still think we should be operating like that. That's also why cold water immersion helps so much. Our bodies think we should be going through that. We should be going through extreme heat, extreme cold. We should be going through, and I'm doing a lot of shoulds. I don't really want to should you guys to death here. Should is such a dirty word that I'm really trying to remove from my vocabulary altogether. And uh, as I do that, I have to make sure not to ought myself to get to death either because it can be very simple to go from should to ought. And we'll get into power of language here in just a moment, but we can be more intentional with the nourishment we provide our bodies and we can be more intentional with these intentional stressors for our bodies because that's where exponential growth comes from. And as we're introducing these different modalities to ourselves, such as even essential oils, we're wakening up those olfactory senses, we're creating this community of like-minded people that want to go through the same thing. They don't want to just resort to the pill. They don't want to resort to the doctors. And I'm not saying anything out there about anti-vax or, you know, don't ever get treatment for anything ever in the history of ever. Like, there are times when medicine needs to be intervened. There are times but for the most part, we have the ability to heal the self. We are superhuman. We are not as fast as Wolverine. You know, <laughs> we can't like cut our skin and then boom, heal like that. But if we cut our skin, we heal. Right? And we provide, when we provide a stable mental and emotional environment, the body is more likely to receive, accept, and grow with that healing. So I think that's all part of it. All of these things combine in conjunction together for our overall health, wellness, healing, and emotional resilience. Yeah, you know, as I've as my as my practice has evolved, and I say my practice, I'm talking about my own personal practice as well as what I teach and coach people. Um, it's all boiled down to two words, and and I think it describes everything you just said. And for me, it's trust and surrender. Mm-hmm. That when I trust that we're given what we need that my body can take care of itself, that my heart is capable of healing, that, and I surrender and allow, <clears throat> excuse me, and I allow this idea of I'm not in charge all the time and I need to allow things to flow in and out of my life and I need to, to trust and surrender. And as I do, you know, my work is all around heart, mind, body, and soul. And when you can master trust and surrender in each of those areas of your life, it's amazing the healing that can come. It's, it's, you know, being able to trust yourself. Oof, that's tough. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a big lesson for me. Being able to trust source or whatever it is for you, whatever you call it, to be able to surrender to I'm not in charge today and I need to be aware and open to whatever flows into my life. And, and, and the ice baths have taught me surrender more than anything ever has. And my, my work through self-love and the things that I teach there have taught me about trust. And when we really do master trust and surrender which i don't know if you ever can i think that's part of why we're here 
But as you learn trust and surrender, you, you begin to open yourself up to new ideas, to new thoughts, to new possibilities, to new modalities, to new ideas that really do have the ability to bring magic into your life in a way you've never experienced. At least that's what I've experienced. Because there's a large part of letting go of control. Huge. And if you can trust in the process, you can trust in your universe, you can trust that what you're doing is working towards your greater good and you surrender yourself to that process and that magic, you're letting go of control. Because mm -hmm. we have control of only one thing and that is our response to the things that are happening in our lives. That's the only thing we have control over. And I do think it's a practice. I don't think this is something you ever fully master. I know that I don't believe that I will ever be a master of any of the things that I'm learning. I believe it's a practice and I believe, um, I believe in melting into that practice, trusting and surrendering to the practice, not trying to get it right and perfect. Perfect doesn't exist. <laughs> there is the divine and the divine makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're here to make mistakes. We're here to grow and learn from those mistakes. And if we don't make mistakes, where's the learning coming from? Right. You can do one thing correctly 13 times and that's going to go really smooth. But when you really screw it up is when you learn the ins and outs, you know, so mistakes, mistakes are part of that practice. Failing is part of failing forward. It's part of moving forward. You really understand the intricacies of what you're doing when you get it wrong when you unravel yeah I've, I've learned those people who who either say or their message is that they've got it and they've arrived and they are the all-knowing those are the people that i avoid with all at all costs <laughs> well yeah because that sounds like a deity yeah that sounds like a god complex yeah. and maybe a cult that i don't want to be in like i'm going to borrow this phrase from my favorite murder you're in a cult call your dad like <laughs> They said they're the divine. They know all. They're channeling the big messages. Cool story, bro. Yeah, we're, here to, we're here to learn. We're here to grow, and and that means, yeah, I agree with you. you, you I'm on a quest of mastery with the full knowledge that I will never get there, and yeah. that's totally okay. That's totally okay. That's totally okay. Sometimes, sometimes I find the guilt and the shame comes from. I feel like I should be better than this and I, I should know this lesson by now. And I and, and then I start to should myself to death. Like don't should all over yourself. Yeah. Understand, give yourself empathy and compassion for the process. And the process is letting go of control. The process is the fear. Like part of um part of what you mentioned earlier was stepping into the fear. Right? Because when we when we have fear when we feel fear in life, like, okay, there are a couple of things for me. One, if I get angry, if I get defensive, if I get uh, insecure, and if, if I experience any of those little discomforts, I have to ask myself first, what are you afraid of? And I think asking myself, what am I, what am I afraid of, means I can lean into the fear instead of walking away from it, instead of allowing the fear to be the action. I am afraid, therefore I won't. Yeah. About five or six years ago, I had an experience. Uh, my partner at the time was a massive adrenaline junkie, and I'm not, or I wasn't. Um, there's no way in hell I would do that stuff. And so for his 40th birthday, I took him to Las Vegas to jump off the stratosphere because I knew that's something he'd always wanted to do. 
And when we got there and I surprised him and told him I was going to do it, he's like, oh, cool. I'm only going to do it if you do it with me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, right. Um, two shots of Patron later, I'm at the top of the stratosphere, Ooh. ready to jump off 855 feet. And when you watch my video, it's awe-inspiring and terrifying. Is this bungee style? It's No, it's, it's controlled free fall. They connect a cable to you. And you jump off the top, and it lowers you at 45 miles an hour to the ground. So I have a massive fear of falling. Same. And I literally, when you watch it, it's hilarious. I, I walked out on this platform trembling with my eyes closed. And I told the lady, I'm like, look, I'm not, I can't open my eyes. So you're just going to have to guide me and tell me where to go. And right before I jump, I'll open them because I promised myself I would. The whole thing's on video. I'm, I'm so scared more scared than I knew was humanly possible. And I promised myself that as soon as she said jump, I would jump. No hesitation. Because I watched somebody once on a video on YouTube, and they didn't for like seven times, and it just got worse and worse and worse. I'm like, okay, no, I'm going to go. So, so when I jumped off, and this is why I say stepping into fear, because I literally had this moment. I'm, I'm 855 feet in the ground at midnight with my toes on the edge of this platform about the size of a diving board. And she said, three, two, one, jump. And the second my feet left that platform was the most powerful moment of my entire existence on this planet because I learned at that moment how powerful it is to face my fear and say, screw you. And my first, it's a 30-second fall. It's very fast. My first two or three seconds, sheer terror. And then all of a sudden, you see this look on my face shifts where I'm just beyond, like, the greatest thing I've ever felt in my entire life. So I went from feeling the greatest fear to the greatest elation in a matter of about three seconds. And after that, after that, I, I wanted to go back and jump again as soon as I was like, it was the most incredible thing. And later that night, we were telling somebody what we did, and this woman looked at me, and she's like, wow, you're a badass. And yeah. I was like, you're right. <laughs> Wow, I never would have put that word with me, ever. But that moment showed me the power that, that comes when you step into your fear. And so that's what I teach people. You don't have to go jump off the stratosphere. But step into something that you're afraid of. Because when you do, every single time you do, fear loses. And you become a little stronger. And every single time you become stronger, you step into another fear that's even greater. And another fear that's even greater. Until you get to, like, truly, I look at my life now and say, oh my god. Like, I would never have done things that I'm doing now. Never even dreamed of it. And those things have made my life so magical now. And it came from that moment, that one defining moment of me stepping off that stretch. Where you changed your relationship to fear. Yeah. Fear's still there. Yeah. Absolutely. You just treat it differently. But now it's somebody that I'm familiar with. Somebody. I treat it like it's, a human, like it's another being on this planet. I'm familiar with fear now, and I know that... It's not going to do the things I think it's going to do. 99% of the things we do. I, I, my, I have a tattoo on my arm, 20 seconds from we bought a Zoom. Matt Damon told his son, you only have to be brave for 20 seconds. You need insane courage for 20 seconds. And then it's over. Like mm -hmm. the 20 seconds takes you across that threshold. And then you learn what fear is. And you learn that, oh, wow, all the things I was afraid of are all lies. Mm-hmm. So, wow, what else can I do to build this? And it's become this incredible experience. It's amazing. One of my favorite quotes in the entire world, George Adair, everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. 100%. And this is what I mean, too, about developing a relationship 
and a bond with fear. Fear is there for a reason. It's there to alert us. It's there to make us aware of things that could happen. But when we allow it to be the boss, that's when we are nurturing anxiety. We are nurturing depression. We're nurturing instability. And you're nurturing like paralysis. You said something I really want to jump on because I, if you had a line graph of my life Mm -hmm. up until December 23rd, 2012, which was that day, Mm -hmm. it was a pretty steady up and down, but no real spikes. And Mm -hmm. from that moment, like truly, if you had a bar graph of my life of the success I've had, the, the, the things I've experienced, the things I've done, it is a sharp turn upward. Like that day since then, my business is better. My relationships are better. My relationships with my kids are better. My interpersonal relationships with friends are better. This people, I, I, everything in my life is not just a little better, but like we're talking like night and day better from what it was. And it was when I learned to step in that fear and learn that it is everything. Everything is on the other side of that fear. Everything. Everything. And that's when you say that you've got this, if you're looking up to your life to that point, it's pretty steady. And then after that, <clears throat> you showed with your hands the slope going completely upward. So that's exponential growth. Mm-hmm. Exponential growth comes from embracing fear, walking through fear. Doing the thing that makes you uncomfortable or afraid will give you exponential growth. We can stay in a place of comfort and safety. Sure, we can do that. But we're not growing our brains. We're not growing our own abilities to manage our emotions. We're also not growing ourselves when we're constantly sitting in a place of comfort and safety and you're not going outside of those bounds anywhere at all. You're not experiencing exponential growth. You cannot grow from a stagnant position. It's one of the things that I'm loving about my ice bath experience is I get to have that experience every single morning. Every single time I get in my ice bath, I'm stepping into a little fear. Mm-hmm. Because I know, for me, and this is just my experience, about the thirst first 30 seconds to a minute, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. Even still, even though I'm doing it every day, it's it's not a fun, it's not a comfortable experience. Right. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. I should right. say it's not fun. It's not comfortable. Like, those first, that first minute is not comfortable. Right. And so every single time, and I experience this, every single time I pick up my first foot to get in, my whole body's like, really, dude? <laughs> do this again and I get to face that little fear every single day and I think that's what's kept me a little bit up on my game more than it was before because every day I get to have that experience every Mm -hmm. day I get to have that experience of pushing through something that I don't want to do yeah like I said there are still times I mean I've been doing this for going on two and a half years there's still times and I and I'm I know the difference I know the difference of before I start coaching for the day and I go through my session and I do my three or four minutes in the ice, my 20, 25 in the sauna, three to four more in the ice. I know that that will change my day. I know that doing that again at the end of the day helps me wrap it all up, helps me put everything into perspective, helps me put back some of what I gave. And even still, I'll have a moment of hesitation, but I push through. And when I get to the other side, I'm always grateful I did. Always. There's, I've never, ever, 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 even once regretted taking an ice bath. Yeah. Never. True. The, I'm, I'm, 
deeply jealous that you have the opportunity to do it morning and night. I can't wait. <laughs> the number one we're thing on my there. bucket list is a Morosco Ford. We're, we're, <laughs> we're getting you there, Roger. We are getting you there. Um, and I do. And I want to talk about that, too. Like, what is what is your practice now? Like, what is your active practice? And then what would be your dream practice? If, In regards to ice baths? Yeah. Um, right now, so when I did, when I started my rational fasting, you know, I don't, you don't work out when you're fasting at, at that intense level. And so I, I used to work out five days a week and during my rational fasting, I replaced my gym time with time soaking and ice baths and sauna. And, and so I started doing it every day. So typically now, and I don't do it every day, like I wish I could, I usually soak three to five days a week. Um, and, and how many usually, minutes per soak? I do I do a round of three usually. I'll, I'll soak the first round. I usually do do it about two minutes, and then I'll go into the sauna for about fifteen to twenty, and then I'll do four minutes, and then I go back into the sauna or the hot tub for ten or fifteen minutes, and then I'll finish. I try to finish with about five minutes. So I do three rounds, and then I finish cold every time. I like to finish cold too. Yeah. The other thing I like about it is, like you said, so when you're fasting, you don't want to work out because you're not trying to push yourself too much. Yeah. You know, it's not. The goal, I think, with fasting, even for me when I was 50 pounds heavier, it wasn't to lose weight. I was not fasting to lose weight. I was fasting for that reset, yeah. for that vagus nerve reset, for that emotional reset, and for that physical reset, too, because I really believe that when we fast, our body first goes after what doesn't belong there, when it's burning energy for food. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons. But the other thing I like about cold water immersion is it's a passive therapy it's something you can do when you don't have the energy for anything else it's something you can do when you're telling when when you're going through a thing and maybe you know maybe you were in a car accident and your whole right side hurts from head to toe and that keeps you from being able to work out or do yoga or do pilates or be a runner or a bicyclist or a triathlon or, or a mud runner or any of those things maybe because of this injury you do not have the physical capability of doing the workouts anyone sore stiff uncomfortable depressed anxious you name it anyone can step into the cold and breathe I um, the, the cool thing I love about it is that literally bare essential you only need two minutes you only so like need yesterday two minutes. I was in a big rush I didn't get there in time I was late I didn't have time for my three cycles I literally, I soaked for two minutes and I got dressed and left. And that's all I did yesterday. And was it still rewarding? A hundred percent. I and, still did it. And you still had no regret for taking that 10 to 15 minutes out of your day nope. to go over there and get that done. And then, so what would be your dream practice? Let's say that Roger has his Marotsko Forge. <clears throat> we make sure and we get him a uh, Radiant Health Sauna. And you've got, you've got the magic. I What's your dream? I have all planned out. So I have a beautiful carport in my backyard that I'm converting into a, my, where I'm going to do it. Um, I will have my dream is first thing every morning, as soon as I wake up, I'm in the cold water, I'm in the sauna, I'm in the cold water, and then I go to the gym. Because right now, it's hard for me to have gym time and soak time and drive time, adding it to my work. I'm an entrepreneur. I work from home. And so I'm having a hard time squeezing it all in. So for me, it's like I soak, I run to the gym, I come home. And then at night, instead of taking that, 20 or 30 minutes to watch TV mm -hmm. <laughs> like I do to turn my brain off and relax in the, the day I can go sit in my ice bath like it's funny like I 
I crave it now. It's funny. Like, I wish. Like, sometimes I'll, if I'm desperate, I'll go in the shower and turn it on, but I don't like it. So I'll go fill up the bathtub with whatever cold water we can get out of Arizona Taps, which really isn't much. But I would love to start and end my day in the tub. I like that, too. And most days I get that. Usually we have a forge at home. Right now we don't, which is crazy because we've got four in production. And hopefully one's going into quality control real quick so that we can get one working <laughs> at home. Um, but every time we get one for home use, I steal it. <laughs> I steal it for something. And, you know, and so that's why I have one at, at Palm right now is because I've stolen our home forge. And um, I know that that makes a difference for Jason because he's not getting that that he normally does. And even if he can't get the sauna, I know he still craves that cold. I've actually considered buying an ice machine for my backyard <laughs> to use until I can get one just so I can have something like I've really seriously considered that um, you know people say I'll oh, just get a chest freezer that doesn't excite me um, I know I could we do tried it. that I know I could do it and my friend does it and I love it and mm -hmm. it's great but it doesn't it's not made for me. that <laughs> yeah it's not it's really me. not made for that there are ways that you can seal it up but it's really not made for that and it's very difficult to properly clean because it's not made for that. So you've got water seeping into places that end up getting um, mildewy and moldy because they're not all, these places are not all cold, yeah. right? So as long as the water's cold, you're not getting any of that bacteria, mold, mildew, or anything like that. But because these freezers are not designed for it, they do not last for this purpose. I am of the belief that get the cold any way you can get it. Yeah. Get it, just get it. I don't care. Get it any way you can get it. Um, but I do, I do know that Laird Hamilton has a couple commercial ice machines. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, he's got to get somebody in there to repair them because that's just the process with ice machines. And the same thing, too. You're still hauling that ice yeah. to your tub. It'll you know? just be a very and temporary by, fix until right. I can get yours. But by the time <laughs> you, know, you spend a couple thousand dollars on one of those and then the maintenance and then you're hauling that ice back and forth, well... Maybe you can eliminate your trips to the gym because you're hauling ice everywhere. <laughs> I realized when I did an event the other day that it was the first um, the first time that I wasn't hauling a 250-pound forge and 200 pounds of ice in order to get the event going. And I was like, now that is heaven. I don't have to haul this big piece of equipment anywhere anymore. I don't have to haul ice anywhere anymore. Well, one of my, one of my visions of what, what I'm going to do with this is – I, I do want to incorporate this in my teaching, and I do want to start having workshops, and I, I have a great space in my home to do them. So I'm actually considering if I just get my ice machine for me, then I'll just use it in my workshops. It'll, mm -hmm. it'll serve some purposes, but at least that'll yeah. get me. My goal right now is just finding a way to soak at home more regularly. Yeah, because it helps to just have it there when you need it. Yeah. On Tuesday when I, when I wasn't planning on being here until the evening, and I was home all day, and there was nothing I could do at home to get my cold water immersion, and I needed it. I had an emotional day on Tuesday. I had a very stressful and very emotionally dysregulated day on Tuesday. And if I could have just taken a moment to sit in the ice, just two moments to sit, two minutes to sit in the ice, I would have done much better. And instead, I waited. I had to wait until, you know, just the way my day went, I had to wait until I got here. And it was much later in the day than I would have liked. You know, I think we, that's, that's the thing. We all have those days, mm -hmm. you know. And for me... 
the one of the last times I came and soaked here with you, I, I learned the power of using or essential oils in my soak. Yeah. And so to me, like right now, when I have that day, I go in and bathe in my oils and it helps, but it doesn't do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it definitely resets the chemistry and helps me feel better. So being able to put both, like I can't even imagine a day where I can literally just literally bathe in my oils in my tub and just really just throw some Epsom yeah, salts in there. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. And, and that's another reason why in my coaching, I incorporate the essential mm-hmm. oils, the sound healing tea, water, coffee, if you're into it, you know, but just different ways to stimulate the senses because it's not always a one trick wonder, right? Our bodies are, mul- our bodies, our minds, our emotions, we're multifaceted. We need to be touched on the entire five-point star of self-care. Yeah. We have to touch on all of the senses. And that provides so much more of a fill-up than just cold water immersion or just meditation or just essential oils. Like, yeah. let's combine it all. There's there's a particular blend we have that specifically helps suppress the fight-or-flight response for anxiety. And the first time that I soaked with that oil, my 30 seconds to a minute of uncomfortableness went to about 15 seconds was like, that the adaptive yeah oh i, I love that the stuff. second i got in the like it took that first initial shock to your body and then it's like done surrender came like so much faster and that's what really hit me like wow this really truly is a match made in heaven like the two are they're made to be together they are they are and i had a client just last week and she talked about how one of my blends that i created the focus blend helped her put herself in a present state. Mm. She had only been doing cold water immersion in the shower and she lives up north. So she gets really cold water up there, but it's such a different experience when you step into that still calm water. Well, here it was at least 10 degrees colder than what she was used to. Mm-hmm. And this focus blend helped her bring it all to center immediately before she got into the ice. And then once she was in the ice, she had that to keep reflecting on. When she started to feel a little out of control, she'd just take that deep breath through the nose and she would Mm -hmm. smell that smell and it would bring her right back to the present. And then immediately when she was done, she's like, I have to have what's in uh, whatever's in there. And I was like, crap, I should have written it down. I do that all the time. I'm still, I'm pretty sure I know what was in there and I'm sure I can recreate it. I only have 20 oils to choose from, so I'm pretty sure I know what was in there, but I think that was really funny. Roger, will you tell us and our listeners where we can find you? What are you up to? What, what can we do to join Roger's bandwagon? Oh, please do. Um, I, I'm up to a few things. So I teach weekly essential oil classes. I do online essential oil classes. I do... I'm actually just about ready to launch an entire online course for aromatherapy and essential oils for the home. Um, And then I also do motivational speaking, and I have an amazing workshop. It's an eight-hour workshop that I do all over the country. Um, I'm leaving in a few months for Australia for a four-week tour in Australia to do this workshop. Um, So all of the above, you know, it all goes together. It's heart, mind, body, and soul. If you are struggling or feel that you need to balance those areas, then what I do helps um, heart, mind, body, and soul. And you can find me at Comfort Zones Suck. And it's two S's in the middle in case people get confused. Um, so I'm at ComfortZonesSuck.com. Instagram, ha- ha- my my Instagram handle is Comfort Zones Suck. My page, my business page on Facebook is Comfort Zones Suck. It's the easiest way to find me. Just remember Comfort Zones Suck because they really do. Um, so that's how you find me. That's outstanding. And you guys can always get connected to Roger through Marotsko Forge. And we're going to be doing a lot of really fun projects coming up with Roger. We're already doing our monthly essential wellness class. 
Um, but we'll be doing a lot more and we'll be informing you as those are released. You can find me, Adrian Jezik, on Instagram at Adrian underscore Jezik. You can find me at Marotsko Forge on Instagram. You can also find me at www.marotskoforge.com. Feel free to sign up for our regularly released journal letter. Um, it's not weekly or monthly. It's as soon as we can get them out. We send them lots of good scientific knowledge and information on the things that we're doing as part of the Marotsko Method. Keep continuing to come back and hear more about what we're doing, who we bring on, and the ways that we're all learning and growing together. It has been a pleasure, you guys. And remember, when you can master your breath through the cold, you can master your mind in your life. Stay cold, cold friends. We'll talk soon.